And our gospel lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. These are Jesus' opening words to his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. During our summers in Iowa, I would always enjoy spending a week at summer camp at a place we loved so much as a family, Camp Wyoming. And it's not in Wyoming, it's actually in Iowa. Um, But it's in Wyoming, Iowa, which is in Jones County, not too far north from Muscatine, where the church and where we lived. Uh, This is a picture of two of ours from a few years back at the entrance of Camp Wyoming. And then uh, what I would do there as a, spend a week there as a camp pastor, and I would do much like my friend AJ is doing there, is we would gather around campfires at night, and I would lead the evening uh, worship services or morning devotionals, uh, Bible studies, staff devotions, things like that. And then uh, we would also take some day trips out of... uh, out of the camp and go perhaps like these youth are doing here go to adventure in a cave and in fact I think that one of those on the far right is Sam's friend uh, Justin right there going on a camp adventure to cave and so that's when I thought about strength in the faint-hearted I thought about this experience that I had had going on to a cave at Camp Wyoming a few years back and what we did is we went to a cave off-site called Werner's Cave. And it's a medium-sized cave, which means that you can actually go in it and wander through the cave and kind of hang out for a little while and then make your way back out and generally spend about 20 or 30 minutes in there at the most. So it's a fairly decent-sized cave, but not too large. And so there are two ways out of this cave that we went into. Uh, there's the way that you came in, and then there is crawling through a small, narrow space near the floor of the cave, which was known by them as the birth canal. <laughs> and the, not have to be too descriptive, but it's a narrow passage on the cave floor that the youth love to crawl through on their way out into the open space and breathing the fresh Iowa air. So I'm in the cave with this middle school group. There's me as the camp pastor, two counselors. And as we go into the cave, uh, of course, the middle school group, similar to this group here, decided that we would all go through the birth canal to get on our way out. Part of the adventure, right? Well, I decided I wasn't going to go through the birth canal. And so I stood there and sat there in the cave watching each of the campers leave and crawl through this very, very narrow space. And each time they left, the, the room that we got, were in got darker and darker and more quiet. And I could hear all the voices outside. People were outside relaxing, enjoying the fresh air. And I was on the inside and I started to panic 
it soon dawned on me that soon I would be in this cave uh, by myself with no flashlight, because I, of course, did not bring one, and I didn't know my way out. And so I felt my heart begin to beat more quickly. I began to have a hard time breathing. And soon there were just three of us left in the cave, one counselor, me, and another camper who decided not to go through as well. I couldn't relax. I started to panic. And soon the counselor turned to me and announced the plan. Pastor David, I'm going to go through the birth canal, leave you my flashlight, and then you can take the other camper back around through the cave on your way out to the, and we'll meet you at the main entrance. No, you won't. <laughs> you are staying here with us. I don't know my way back, and I'm not going through that hole, and you have to stay with me. Oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. You can do it. No. I repeated myself more sternly. Finally, he clued in and realized that he had to usher me and the other camper back through the main entrance. So we made our way back, all three of us, the counselor with his flashlight, the camper in me. And each step I took, I had to concentrate on my breathing. I had to stop and, and rest halfway through, and this is not a big cave. And I couldn't wait to get out of that dark cave. And once I finally made it out, I was never so happy to be in a cornfield. <laughs> so you can argue that my cave experience just shows that I'm weak or cowardly or I get scared too easily. And I, and I know that when I was a teenager, I could do this kind of stuff. I could go on those high-intensity rides at Six Flags and be just fine. I could go through the caves and not have any issues. But even now, when I'm driving over the High Five Exchange on 635 and, and Central, and I realize just how far off the ground I am, and there's all that space between me and all these other cars down below, it gets to me. Or if I'm at the Sears Tower in Chicago or the St. Louis Arch, I just almost can't stand it. And what's important to say that being faint of heart is not a character flaw. It's part of our human condition. Let me change the slide. You may not like to admit it, or you may have been raised to deny this part of yourself, but it is real. Listen to how the Psalms describe being faint of heart over and over. In Psalm 142, this stunning description of desolation and abandonment. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look on my right hand and see, there is no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for me. And the psalmist cries out to God, save me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Another example is from Psalm 143, the psalm which we just sang today. For the enemy has pursued me, crushing my life to the ground, making me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. We get a similar description of what happened when we read through Jonah, who was in the belly of the whale. And Jonah says, my soul fainted within me. 
And the Hebrew word that is used there for fainted is atop. And atop literally means to be wrapped in darkness. That's what faint-heartedness is. It's like being in the belly of a whale or in a dark cave. And you can hear that there is life outside, but on the inside, the faint of heart feels scared, closed in, wrapped or shrouded in darkness. Another way to think about faint-hearted is by looking at the verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where this phrase from our covenant comes from. It says, encourage the faint-hearted. And that Greek word oligosike for faint-hearted literally means small-souled. To have a small soul to be faint. So we are to encourage the small-souled those who have a soul that has shrunk out of fear. Sometimes it comes from distress or shock or a trauma that we go through in our lives. Our soul or our heart shrinks within us. And so it occurred to me as I was working on this passage for today that strengthen the faint-hearted is talking about what we would call today despair. Despair is not the same thing as depression. It's not the same thing as anxiety or fear or guilt or shame. For example, a depressed person can be a very hopeful person. They can look out into the future and say, oh yeah, next year we'll do this, or next year it'll be better. Uh, next month I'll, I'll feel like doing this. But then the depressed person never does anything to actually bring that out. Whereas a person who is in despair looks into the future, and it's a bleak future. The despairing person says, it's never going to get any better, and I can't do anything about it. That's what despair is. In fact, despair is the opposite of hope. As a result, when there's no future that's better than today, the soul will shrink it shrinks within us, it faints, and we begin to feel trapped, shrouded in darkness, like the day I was in that cave. Except for the faint of heart, for those who despair, this is an ongoing condition that they wake up every day and feeling that there is nothing to look forward to. That is despair. But the remarkable thing is that even while the Bible admits that despair or faint-hearted is a normal part of human condition, it also describes that each person who is despairing also is able to find a way out. The Bible is insistent upon hope. Remember Job in the belly of the whale. When my soul fainted within me, he says, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you. And in Psalm 27, my spirit faints within me, my heart within me is appalled, yet I remember the days of old. I think of all your deeds. I meditate on the works of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts 
for you like a parched land. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on a level path. And the same transformation happens in Psalm 42. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you, O God. And then in Psalm 42, later on in verse 13, this wonderful conclusion showing how one person was able to move from despair to hope, saying, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And there's something to this ability of waiting for the Lord. Definitely something for another sermon, but waiting on the Lord allows us to realize that we can't do this ourselves, that we have to rely upon the goodness of God to transform our despair into hope. And the biblical wisdom for us is this, that even though despair is real, even if our problems seem so big and so insurmountable, we can always turn to the Lord and realize that God is bigger than them. Our, our small-souled despair turns into an expanding soul of hope when we learn to place our finite stories within the context of God's big, huge, infinite story. When we turn to the Lord and seek his face, then we can see in God's face a future story, a future that can be trusted, a future story that will never be taken away. So, if you are in despair, if you have lost hope, if you feel like your soul is languishing and you can't see a way out, don't give up. But it's important to say that it's not about you trying harder. It's not about believing more. It's not about what you can manufacture within yourself to get yourself out of this mess. The Bible has taught us the wisdom that we don't do it ourselves. We wait upon the Lord and remember the Lord and the Lord's goodness. And so it is by relying upon the grace of God that we can turn despair, that the Lord turns despair into hope. The Bible calls us all to a ministry of encouragement, for we are exhorted in 1 Thessalonians, to strengthen the faint-hearted. Jesus' ministry was in large part a ministry of encouragement. From the Sermon on the Mount, his opening words are, Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Barnabas, later on in the New Testament, was an encourager to Paul. And Paul took his turn and was an encourager to Timothy. So who was it in your life 
who encouraged you. And who now is God calling you to encourage? Let me commend to you the ministry of encouragement. Never underestimate the power of encouragement because words can build up and restore hope. So we are called to be of good courage and to encourage those around us who need that ministry. Hang in there. You can do this. Don't give up. I'm proud of you. I'm rooting for you. I'm praying for you. It gets better. The campaign that started a couple of years ago, It Gets Better campaign for gay youth who were so despairing over being bullied that so many take their lives. The It Gets Better campaign is literally saving lives. Don't ignore the faint-hearted. And don't, uh, don't confuse the idlers with the faint-hearted. It says to admonish the idler, so give them a hard time. But the despairing need strengthening. And try to avoid platitudes like, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Because even though it sounds okay, it often just doesn't really help. So whatever you say, be genuine. Let the message that you convey to each other is, I care about you. You are important. Because, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> because you who are on the outside of the cave, <clears throat> you've made it through the birth canal, and you represent something very important. Your words, your actions, just your presence being there can strengthen the faint-hearted, encouraging the despairing to remember, to remember that there is a God, and that God has a never-ending story that makes a real-life difference for today, for now. In fact, it might just be you whom God is calling to provide a way out of despair for someone in your life. You can be an encourager who gives the future story. You can be the one who beckons us that, yes, you can do this. You can make it through the birth canal. Or perhaps you are an encourager who can light the way and lead to another way out of the cave. So for that, we say, amen. And thanks be to God.